Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yep. And welcome back to Talking Knicks. Today is Sunday, January 10th, as we record the Knicks just faced a devastating loss in the face. That's not a phrase you use in basketball. The Nuggets whooped up on them. It's tough. The Knicks had a hot start to the week. They had won uh, the two games earlier this week that made it three in a row. And then they lose a couple duds, which has us a little bummed out. And when I say us, I mean Kenny Poon, Tom Piccolo, and Big Baby David. We'll talk about the highs. We'll talk about the lows. Let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. Hope y'all are doing well today. And thanks for tuning in. Man, uh, as we sit here Sunday night, it's it it's like a flashback, I think. This this is the first time it's been like, ah, the Knicks. This this is a feeling I'm familiar with. A couple just ugly losses. The Nuggets. Um they kind of embarrassed up, embarrassed us at this party tonight. Every time, it was kind of rude by their head coach Mike Malone. Every time the Knicks got within fifteen, they called their like timeout to stop a run from happening. It's like, come on, man, just let it, let it happen. Let's get within ten. Let's get nuts. Uh, coming off the disappointing OKC loss, it makes you almost forget Utah and Atlanta earlier in the week. But before we dive into them, let me check in on the boys. Let's hear it for the boys. BBD, how are you doing? Jake, I'm doing well. Big football weekend, oh. which we'll dive into Monday morning on Wake and Jake. But add, add. Um, so been been a little preoccupied with that. But other than that, tuned into that Sixers game, which was weird because they only had seven dudes, and that's been like the whole weekend, just a lot of sports. Yeah, the uh, the NBA is finally getting introduced to COVID as it seems every day there is a new player or team linked to uh, the Coco. I think they're turning up their their requirements a baby notch. We'll see. Uh, but glad to hear you're well, David. You look nice in your Knicks hat and your John Boy Media hoodie. Add. Thank you. Kenneth Poon. Kenneth Andrew, how are you? Hey, Jake. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Really not much happening. Uh, this la- last week at work was pretty quiet after uh, a heckish December. Uh, so I'm just I'm just recovering from December, really. And uh, this last week has just been a much more relaxed time. I uh, I had a COVID not so much scare. in the country. I will say not so oh. much in the country. Been a rough week. A oh. relaxing week. Yeah, Tom. it's just a funny time to have a relaxing week. I'm skipping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I wasn't. I wasn't planning on talking about that, but uh, let's skip it. Ta- yeah, Dump we're gonna it. skip that. Top. Dump, Dump it. it. This one's garbage. This one's trash. Um, I did get ca- tested for COVID last week. I don't have it. Um, ah, my, nice. Don't have it my last brother, week. <laughs> I didn't have it as of last week. As of this point, who knows? Um, my brother Greg, not here today, told me that I almost have COVID more than anyone he knows because that was my third test. All of them negative, undefeated over here. Uh, but yeah, I'm fighting something. I'm fighting some sort of cold. I think it's uh, the cold weather turning on the heat. Like, you guys ever have that where you turn on the heat for a few days and then like you just can't swallow anything for a week? No, no that's just me. That's just a me thing. All right. Uh, I'll give you the, the just in general, the cold stuff. I feel like this was the coldest full week we've had in a while so yeah talking oh, weather. I've, I've weather. felt a little something yeah chilly wow tom <laughs> don't I know mean, a lot to take in here. <laughs> i'll tell you what, i'm gonna dump something else on you guys i had a weird so today my wife left for new hampshire 
for the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just a bachelor over here. No, she. So she's uh, going to Dartmouth for the next three months to finish her degree, and uh, it was it was a weird first day. But it was funny. Right before she left, she was like, "You know, I was thinking about leaving my." wedding ring and my engagement ring here so i don't lose them <laughs> yeah i was like you're gonna leave for three months and not have yeah. any rings with you like what kind of thing is that to ask but uh it's what cool. was what was that <laughs> was that a joke or was that a serious thing she actually asked that she was very serious because she really yeah. does lose everything um but she's a very responsible person and you know is going to be very good at her yeah. job which you know a lot of people's lives are in her hands but in general she will she will lose things um, yeah and it, if you see her posting pictures from Ibiza with some different guys like don't even worry don't, about don't, it don't don't be concerned so she won't don't lose call. the ring then if if she goes so you're I all I said to her was like oh I can't wait to bring this up on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so well, I need a good forum to bring Tom, this up what an absurd question that was to ask I me mean, and finally she was like you know what I'll take one of the rings I'll take one so so Tom, it sounds so, like the we're house partying at your house for the next three months. Just an ongoing, just masks on, yeah, and beers. Just I'll move in. Come, come on over. Um, I'm looking okay. for some Full human contact. We'll move. Yeah, in. actually, one one lucky talking Knicks fan will <laughs> be lucky enough to move in with Tom for the next three months. Uh, just make sure you leave a review at Tom Piccolo and tell him I'm moving in. We'll yeah. break down video together. We'll we'll do some advanced stats. We'll have a blast. Just because I am done living in a van down by the river, um, <laughs> Tom. I'm uh, I'm sad to hear that. I don't. It'll be good in the long run. Three I compared months. it. To, I compared it to like that first scene in Home Alone, where it's like I made my family disappear. Like I I had pizza for lunch and drank three beers, and it's just like all right. Let's, I love uh, that. Let's. I, I yeah. Hung out with my brother. My brother Dave. We had a nice time. Um, but I was like. Might need to tone it down. I can't go strong for three months here. You gotta, uh, str- you gotta, cl- you gotta climb while she's gone. Or is that not a thing that you guys are doing? Oh, I'm still climbing, baby. Oh, yeah. I, uh, how does she yeah. feel about that? Yeah, she's she's jealous. She actually bought herself a hangboard, which is one we don't need. We can talk about the Knicks. We we will. Uh, yeah, we, we'll, should we though? I think by the time we talk about the two Knicks losses, we'll start talking about hangboards a lot. <laughs> um. Boys, it, it's an odd week because it, the fleeting emotions of basketball, we'll call them. And I do have something fun for what we're watching at the end of this that that brings in some good couple stuff. Sorry, BBD. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, Utah, the Atlanta game feels like a week ago because it basically was. Uh, Los Knicks. Yeah. Uh, Los Knicks uh, kind of playing a little bit of sloppy basketball. It's up and down. I mean, this this goes down in Knicks history as the Austin Rivers game. Like Julius Randle ends up with a big box, a big box score. That's that's good basketball terms. Julius Randle with the big box score. Um, and I have it wrong anyways. This isn't the Austin Rivers game. That's the next game. This was R.J. Barrett, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. Julius Randle, 28 points, 17 boards, and 9 assists. I mean, some of the the stats on Julius Randle don't seem real at this point, but boys, the the Knicks handle the Hawks. Um, digging back into your memory tanks, what do you have besides? Uh, I tried to take so many screenshots of Trey Young's hair, and I just couldn't get the one that undignified it enough. Because I I don't know, man, how? Trey hair Trey's hair is the worst in the game, right? Like yes, it's 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 up there with LeBron and old Alfred Payton. Particularly when you factor in age and stuff, like, dude, you should be primo hair time. He'll be he'll be shaving it soon, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, <laughs> as far as what I what I remember from this game, I mean, you you hit it as far as Julius Randle's numbers. He put up the 28 points, the 13 or the 17 boards, like you said. Um, you know, he did that by without hitting any threes. He was 0 of 5 from 3, so he just absolutely dominated inside. There was there was no answer on that that uh Hawks front line to defend uh Julius Randle. And just like looking through I, I mean Cam Reddish uh, on that Hawks side like he really struggled. I felt like he was uh 
he was trying to get going. He was two of six from three. I'm just I'm just going through the Hawks box score here. I'm like, who on their team other than Trey Young was even like I remember Deion, DeAndre Hunter was doing some things out there. He was hitting shots because he was getting extra minutes because Danilo was out. But um, yeah, it in, like in the- general, like this game, I mean, Mitchell Robinson was really strong defensive, defensively as he was all week. Like I, it was kind of a trend all week whenever uh, Mitch came out. And uh, in this game, Nerlens Noel couldn't even play. So there wasn't a backup center, but the defense just fell apart pretty much all all week whenever Mitch came out. Um in this one he didn't put up like huge stats offensively, but he uh he had his his couple blocks and his steal. Um it was is that four he had four steals and two blocks. So he was a defensive force. And that's kind of what I'm looking at for him. Like he's he's been that guy uh and and he's kind of like he's figured out how to stay on the court, right? He he yeah. played 28 minutes in this one and he, those numbers only went up throughout the the rest of this week. So that was really encouraging for me. Yeah, and I I agree. I think Mitch's defense throughout the week was a, a big thing, and I it's visible um, all four games when he came out, the defense was visibly worse. Um, but as far as other things that I saw this game, I think the the other big story was just Emmanuel quickly had a great game. Uh, he had a uh, like sixteen points on four or seven shooting, two or three from three. He had a couple uh, very nice plays. He had um, one defensive play on on Trey Trey when he got blown by and then just snuck in there and stole the ball from him. And then he had another play on offense where he did to Trey Young, what Trey Young had been doing to Austin Rivers the entire game, which is like just a lot of stop and go and like force him to foul you, which was very annoying when Trey Young did it. But uh, very, I, I very much enjoyed watching uh, Emmanuel quickly do it to to Trey Young for for uh, three free throws. Yeah, and he had that that cool just blow by everybody for the wide open dunk, which was very fun to watch because dunks are cool. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was basically the perfect Nick game. Like everyone contributed to a late comeback. It's like everyone you want to contribute contributed. Yes. Yeah. The end of that third quarter was so exciting. You you mentioned that quickly blow by. um, And then because he was able to get that two for one, they were able to get another look at the basket and they hit Kevin Knox in the corner for that buzzer beating three, which like cut the lead down to, it was like three or four points going into the fourth. Yeah. I think that cut it down to four right before the end of the, of the, yeah. I mean, that was like you said, team basketball, everyone contributing. And uh, it it really set up that fourth quarter. Um, It was exciting stuff. I mean, I know we kind of downplayed RJ Barrett a little bit just because I think he's struggled these last couple games. But we have to remember, like, the bright spots here. You know, he was he he had the 26 points. Again, struggled from three, just one of five from three. But that means he was uh, nine of 14 from, from two, hit five of seven from the free throw line, five assists, zero turnovers. And that's a great line for him. Um, and, and I think we have to appreciate that. I think right now I'm a little low on Barrett just because of his last two outings. But, but that was an awesome game against Atlanta. Barrett steals yeah, two they, in, Atlanta, in Atlanta. Knicks were down... Uh, 82 uh, to 68 with four minutes left in the third. They go on that awesome run uh, to end the third. They get it within four. And then I I mentioned Rivers too early, which will bring us to the next game. But he also, uh, him and Trey start going out a little bit, and he drew that kind of game-ending uh, charge uh, against Trey Young, which which was kind of a cool moment. And yeah, I mean, this this was exciting. I, I am kind of bummed out that they threw out another dud tonight because this was like, okay, these Knicks, these Knicks come back from behind. I mean, quickly, the efficiency on it, those 16 points, only seven shots, two of three from three, six of six from the free throw line. Uh, Barrett, the same thing. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun Knicks basketball. A lot of Alfred Payton shots, which uh, has been a hot topic in Knicks land, but um, I don't know, boys. A- anything else from from this night? I mean, just last thing I'll say is like the the Hawks came into this game one of the I think they were one of the top ranked offenses in the league, yeah. and, and you know coming into tonight they were uh, they have the seventh ranked offense on cleaning the glass. So like this is a, a top ten offense any way you look at it, and you know the, the Knicks held them to 108 points, and I, I just think the the defense anchored by Robinson, but kind of everyone involved was active and there was a lot of energy on that end as well. So, you know, Kevin Knox even looked like a, a professional 
basketball player on the defensive end. So everyone was was doing it. It was on both ends of the floor, and that's why I think this was probably the most exciting win of um, yeah either this one or the next one we're going to talk about the most exciting wins of the week. And the and yeah. the Hawks, you know, they have been up until this game pretty good all year. They had just come off like the very tough loss to Brooklyn, if I am remembering the order of their games right. So like I, I fully expected that game to not go well when once tip off came but it worked out and how about the the three guys off the bench rivers quickly knocks all went two of three from three how about that that's cool um let let's bring it to the the jazz game uh, a couple nights later welcome utah into town they they kind of dominate the first quarter uh they've got 11 point lead at the half and it's you know there's this was the day that a lot of stuff was going on and uh, around the nation's capital, so it's kind of this weird, like, okay, I'm I'm having a bad day. Plus, the Knicks stink again. What's going on? And these fun Knicks turn it on again. And I keep just wanting to say it. So this was the Austin Rivers game. He goes for 23 points, nine of 14 from the field, five of seven from three. Uh, I think he had what was it, 11 straight points, or was it 14? I think it was 14, straight points? I think. 14. Uh, yeah, and just a dominant performance. Uh, Julius Randle, how's your 30, 16, and 7? Mitch with 14 boards. Uh, and Alfred Payton, how about a, six, a sneaky 22 and 8 assists? Uh, man, when that float game works, it's pretty. Otherwise, uh, it is not. But the Knicks, another big comeback against, I mean, a good NBA team. Yeah, I mean, you have to give credit to Peyton where it's due because he gets a lot of flack, deservedly so. Like a lot of games, including this one tonight. Um, like Alfred Peyton has a he's a huge issue. Like he, if he's not respected outside the arc, which a lot of defenses aren't going to respect his shot, defenses are just going to pack the paint and it's going to clog up everything for Randall for Barrett. But guess what? In this game, Peyton was really aggressive. He got his shot and he he knocked him down. Like. He was setting himself up for like those 22 points, like you mentioned, but also the, the eight assists to just one turnover. That is huge for Alfred Payton, who had the ball in his hands a lot of the game, played 42 minutes. Um, so I will I will give credit to Payton. I don't think there will be too many more opportunities to do that just because I don't think he's this player. I think he's closer mm. to the <laughs> to the player we saw tonight. But uh, yeah, yeah, props to, to Payton for this one. And I'll say this, after this game was over, I was just thinking uh, that, you know, Tibbs is an absolute genius because between this game and the Atlanta Hawks game, Alfred Payton was having a very strong game against the Hawks, and then he stuck with quickly the entire fourth quarter and quickly had a great fourth quarter that game. This is the immediate next game after quickly had a great game. Quickly played six minutes, and he went with Alfred Payton down the down the stretch and, you know, the combination of Alfred Payton and, and, uh, and – Austin Rivers got the job done and for a comeback victory. And I was just thinking like this guy, I don't know who's telling him what to do. I don't know what the analytics are saying, but these, the buttons he's pressed the last two games have been incredible. We can forget about the next two games in terms of what happened there. And I'm just going to stop that. Pretend that's where the week ended. Yeah. I mean, don't matter. Like, Really, the only gripe I can think of from this game, other than like, yeah, starting slow, you'd like to not have to come back. Uh, but but in the second half, really, my only gripe, and it's not even really really a complaint, it's just that RJ didn't play at the very end. But when he, you know, he bounced back in the second half. He shot four of eight in the second half. Um, like on the other number, I wanted to shout out for his second half stats. But at the same time, like, who were you going to take out? Because Peyton was balling. Austin Rivers, it, we're calling this the Austin Rivers game for a reason. Like, if you want to take out Bullock, he was playing pretty well down the stretch, too. And they haven't done too much RJ at the three. Maybe they have. Um, so that, that's the only thing I can think of to even, like, try to complain about. But it's like, you know what? Fair. Everyone else was out playing RJ. Yeah, and I think yeah. that what you what you look at here, what really jumps out to me are just the, those minutes played stats. Like, I know we all know Thibs likes to play – the guys like he likes to ride whoever is playing well or whoever he trusts. But you know, Peyton with the forty-two minutes, Mitchell Robinson with forty-one and a half minutes, Julius Randle with almost forty minutes. Uh, like those are some pretty eye-popping numbers. And of those three, just the fact that Mitch got to nearly forty-two minutes with just the two personal fouls against a, a big in in Rudy Gobert who. 
gets a lot of respect from from NBA officials, and he's he's fairly aggressive, and certainly in the past against the Knicks, Gobert has just been a monster. Um, in this game, Gobert finished with 14 points, 11 boards, five blocks, so he was definitely aggressive in this one. But I mean, Mitch was able to stay in almost the entirety of the game, which is I mean, just saying a lot for his his progression. Mitch, yeah, that- has, Mitch has been. We said it after the last, after discussing the last game a few minutes ago. But just his ability to stay on the floor this year is night and day between his first two seasons and now. His opening night is basically the only game he hasn't gotten over twenty five minutes. He's gotten over twenty five minutes in literally every game since, uh, besides the Philly game where he played twenty four minutes fifty nine seconds, according to Basketball Reference game logs. So mm. I'll give him that that was twenty five minutes as well. So just good mm. stuff, Mitch. And I'll say to first on the point of Mitchell Robinson versus Rudy Gobert, I'd say, you know, at the very least they were even. And I'd make the argument that Mitch outplayed Gobert, who just got his huge contract. Uh, I know we we like to quote plus minus only when it suits us. And Gobert was minus 18 and Mitch was plus 12. And I have to imagine a lot of their minutes were going up against each other. And, you know, they had comparable box scores. I think Mitch out-rebounded him and he also had... Uh, three blocks and two steals. So you love to see that from Mitch. And then on the RJ Barrett point, you know, I understand you like to see him play more, but we also don't want him playing 40 minutes a game. So maybe this is his game where he, he plays a little less and then it all averages out in the end. Yeah. He, and he still played 33 minutes in the game. So, and I believe like the two previous games, he might've even gotten over 40 minutes or I'm making that up. So yeah. when you, Put it in the fuller context. It really is fine. I mean, he he gets thirty three. I mean, the the rivers went off. I mean, and yeah. and I again the Austin Rivers game. Everyone's talking about it. Uh, we were also coming it's off the of talk of the office. We were coming off of that Monday night was when Quiver started, and then we kind of wanted to carry over. And like you said, those quickly six minutes, uh, it it almost felt unfair because he he got those minutes. And it, the Knicks kind of stunk, and then it just never came back around. Rivers was rolling. Uh, Tibbs clearly leans on Alfred Payton when he's playing that way, which I, I guess he should, and maybe we'll we'll talk about pulling the plug more coming up. But, um, yeah, man, uh, I mean, Austin Rivers, five of seven from three. And, yeah, if, if we were a sports sports talk radio, I, I think my, my go-to stat would be the, you know, the actual most impressive stat from this box score? Mitchell Robinson playing 41 minutes. That's what we need to see as Knicks fans. I kind of said that, but not like that. So I think that's... <laughs> I wish but, you would. <laughs> I mean, you got you got the house to yourself now, Poppy. Let it rip no, in there. I don't know if you listen. I think it was the Atlanta Hawks home announcers. the The play by play guy sounds exactly like that. Like he sounds like you doing an impression of that. Is he's beyond parody? I think at this point. But uh, next I time love we, it, man. Yeah, if, yeah. If the next the next time you watch a Kevin Harlan game, just think like that's. That's the voice he's using, and we think that's normal. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of not real life. Um, and the Knicks win three in a row. The comeback Knicks, they were down 18 in the second quarter of this game. Um, you know, we're rolling. We're five and three. We're going to be the fourth seed in the East. We're welcoming OKC into town. Man, and and the boys kind of throw up a dud. I mean, you the Knicks kind of were rolling, uh, rolling early slash OKC was kind of playing, playing bad basketball. I mean, this game was 24 to 13 with a minute left in the first OKC goes on a little run. It's back and forth through the middle. And then OKC kind of pulls away. You kept waiting for the moment, uh, that the Knicks would get hot and they brick a shot. Poku makes a, a three down the stretch. That was kind of a dagger and, I mean, just watching him operate on a basketball court is something you don't see every day because, oh, my God, seven foot, 195. Um, and I, as I click into the box score, let's see, Julius Randle, 18 and 12. Eh, Barrett led the team in scoring with 19. Nobody gets into 20 points here. And, uh, yeah, 35.8% from the field in this game. So tough, uh, tough night, man. I was I was pretty juiced up for this game, too. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't have to talk about it. Like, I don't, okay. I, I don't want to talk about it. If I were to talk about it, all I would, all I would talk about um, would be kind of my disappointment in the lack of fourth quarter minutes for Mitchell Robinson. Uh, like we said in the earlier games, like this defense just looks so much worse when he's not on the court, and he just wasn't on the court in the fourth quarter, and that was disappointing. Was this so take back all the nice things I said about Tibbs? After the last game, take them all back. Aren't aren't there some numbers that the Knicks small ball lineup earlier in this year have been pretty good offensively? That was the thinking behind it. Yeah. So after the game, um, that's what Tibbs said. He said, you know, he was going for offense and he went with a small ball lineup to try to generate offense after they went behind. Um, and that's why. But, you know, I'd love to see Trying Mitch to find the one of the guys I like to watch. Yeah. Yeah, man. And this was the game, like, didn't Randall, Randall, like, didn't shoot in the first half? And then he yeah, I don't turned think it on in the third quarter? Yeah, I don't think he scored in the first half. And I think he was in foul trouble for most of the first half. And then in right. the third quarter, he just decided to take every shot. Yeah, his, his final line looks like a little bit less scoring, but overall, about what, what you would expect from this year's version of Julius Randall. But, uh, but yeah, it was. Just a weird game for him specifically because of the no scoring in the first half. And, and yeah, I mentioned it in the in the post game recap just how because he didn't get any points in that first half, they came out just feeding Randall ISO after ISO, and it just it led to an extremely disjointed offense. Like there was no rhythm, no flow. Uh, Tibbs talked about it just how everyone was tr- kind of trying to, you know, overcome that uh, that deficit themselves, and they weren't doing it in the team context and. Uh, it really showed like everyone was just kind of trying to go ISO and there was no ball movement, no player movement. It was, it was just really ugly basketball. It was not what you want to see, especially coming off those two uh, really galvanizing wins um, earlier in the week. But I don't know. Um, I don't have a ton more to, to add to this one. Like I, I'm just looking around, seeing what was jumping out here. I definitely thought Mitchell Robinson deserved to play more. Um, again, when, when Nerlens Noel came in, I just thought he was stat chasing. I, um, he he mm-hmm. got his two blocks, um, he got his steal. So like the stats look okay, but defensively, I just saw him out of position a ton. He would he would go for a block and just leave the offensive rebound wide open. Um, so that I I really didn't like the way Noel played in this game, and then again tonight against Denver, I thought the same thing. So um, it, it, it's true. Like when when Mitchell Robinson isn't in. It does seem to me like the best option could be just to go full, you know, offense, put the chips in, and and have Randall sort of lead this supercharged offense. But that wasn't the like that wasn't happening in this one. And it's not like Mitch was tired. He'd only played twenty six minutes, and he was not in foul trouble. So in those instances, it's like just stick with Mitch because he's the defensive anchor. And when he comes out, all hell breaks loose. Like there's just no there's no one who can who can kind of anchor this defense quite like him. And, uh, you know, I wonder how how uh, Noel's injury, because he got injured, at, I don't know if it was in pregame or if it was in practice or something before one of the games. Um, and you, you wonder if that's impacted him, because a few games ago I was really impressed with his defense. He was poking away, like, dribbles and stuff. Um, but the last two games I have absolutely seen what you're talking about, like specifically tonight against uh, Jokic. Mitchell was doing a great job against him. I don't know if we want to just move on to that game, because I don't really want to talk about the other one anymore. Uh, but, you know, Jokic is probably the best center in the game, and he had, you know, some incredible moves against Mitchell Robinson, and Robinson stuck with him. And then Noel came in, and, you know, he just looked bad. And that's nothing against Noel. No, Jokic makes a lot of people look bad, but after what Mitchell Robinson was able to do, you know, it's it's just not what you want to see. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on this one is just it, it's kind of becoming a, a trend a bit is just that the Knicks – shot 12 of 20 from the free throw line for 60%. And I don't know where the Knicks rank in free throw percentage. I don't have that stat. Uh, Maybe if I stall and speak slowly enough that maybe Mm. someone will pull it up and I did it. Uh, I mean, the Knicks are ranked 23rd in the the league in free throw percentage. It's not great, but it just seems like they they haven't been hitting. I I know against uh, Denver, I think, uh, Mike Breen talked about it a little bit too, how they were struggling from the line. So it's not like they're getting to the line a ton as it is, but when they do, they gotta they gotta hit them. It's like because because points are not coming easy 
to this offense. You know what I mean? Like any chance you have that they're not really hitting a lot of threes anymore, that they've kind of cooled off from their hot start at the beginning. So they're not getting fast break points. They had zero fast break points against Denver. I know I'm kind of moving on to the next game as well, but like the point is in this game and against Denver, there were no easy buckets, no easy offense. And uh, that's why you got to hit your free throws. No, neat. The offense tonight just felt so gross. Like, I, I had a moment where I was wondering, like, have the Nuggets turned up the notch on defense? I think they started the season pretty bad league-wide as as a defense. So I was wondering if maybe Malone laid into them and they turned it on. And then I saw, I think it was you uh, saying that they had no points in the paint and, you know, the Knicks have been pretty good at that this year. But, yeah, t- tonight was just an ugly watch, man. I mean, you know, Jokic, uh, besides Jokic, I mean, I, I could watch that guy read a phone book. He, uh, I, I mean, that shot he made, what was it, in the third quarter or maybe late in the fourth quarter, just the fadeaway over Mitchell Robinson. I the mean, rainbow. Some, some of the shots he's making over Mitchell Robinson, there, there's nothing you can do. Like, that's that's usually the goal of a possession. But outside of that, um, you know, the Nuggets go 15 of 35 from three. Nobody really went nuts. Jokic had 22. Their second leading score was Gary Harris with 14. I mean, they really, you know, we, we talk about the Nuggets on an NBA level, you know, how deep they are and everything. They kind of showed it tonight. And uh, I think what's more, not more concerning. Yes, it's more concerning. Uh, the three-point shots, Tom, I thought you might have been going here a second ago, but the Knicks take 21 attempts again. If you go through these box scores of every game this week, they don't take a lot of threes. I know it's not their strength, but in this league right now, this league, uh, you know, the Nuggets are going to put up 35 threes. And I mean, at a night like tonight, if the ball's going in the basket, you kind of don't have a chance. It's a make or miss league. That's what we keep. That's what uh, they keep saying on the broadcast. And sometimes the shots go in. The Knicks have done, and you know, query if it's a small sample size, but the Knicks have done a good job uh, defending the three throughout the year. Um, and you know, sometimes the Knicks go in. I think it was. I don't remember. Maybe the second game of the season where some team just went off against the Knicks and made a bunch of threes, and the Knicks lost. It happens. You know, it happens. Yeah, I mean, the the Knicks coming into tonight, the, the stats I have don't reflect this uh, Denver game, but the Knicks only take 28% of their shots from three, and that's the lowest percent of shots in the league. They're 30th in three-point attempt rate, and that's not a good sign. You know, they, they're also third in shots at the rim, so that's that's great, but, you know, it, it's just it makes it harder to get good shots, good looks at the rim when you're not stretching the floor on offense. So like guys are just, especially RJ Barrett's just like running into brick walls. He's not showing a lot of just, uh, what was the word that Clyde used? Sagacity. A lot of, <laughs> that's what he said. But like, he just, he's he hasn't been smart or like using good, good judgment when he gets to the rim. He's been just kind of flinging up shots. And I think his numbers, the RJ's numbers in terms of his field goal percentage at the rim are among the worst in the league. I, I want to say I'll pull those up when someone else is talking, but like it, it's been really ugly. And part of that, it's all tied back to this lack of shooting, the lack of spacing and just the lack of willingness of players to take threes. The players are passing up open three pointers to go drive in and take contested twos. And it's like, even if you're a bad three point shooter an open three is still a, a better shot, like a, a higher points per possession shot than going in and taking a contested two. It's, um, it, it's just going to have to change and Thibodeau's going to have to make that change. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, our, our starting lineup that, uh, we know plays a lot of minutes because of the way Tibbs does his rotations and everything. Um, they combined for, I believe 10, three point attempts and five of those are Randall who hit two of five. So he was, I guess, fine. Uh, the, the rest of the starting lineup went, one for five which isn't as good as two for five from randall so yeah i mean it's just not enough and i think part of the problem is a lot of the people who we might expect to shoot threes for this team are not available um i know obi toppin had a had a rough uh preseason in terms of shooting but you know he's expected to be at least a solid shooter alec burks in his three games was probably our second best player and and he's a you know, active shooter. And, you know, he's been out since that third game. 
Um, Frank Nilakina also shot pretty well in his uh, limited minutes this season, and you know he's been out as well. And you know you have guys like like R.J. Barrett and Alfred Payton who are not, you know, very good shooters at the moment, and because of that, I think uh, people are a little gun shy. Look, the ghost of Dennis Smith Jr. is coming out. We we were laughing before this. We 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 didn't even know he's healthy. Like we were no. just assumed because we <laughs> didn't we know he was active. Um. And yeah, I, so I guess what's the solution? I mean, because uh, Tom, it, it felt like it was on repeat tonight that the Knicks would do that screen kind of top of the key, top corner, um, and that they would let the shooter be open in the corner. And it would either be Peyton or it'd be Barrett, um, you know, usually coming off of Randall. And uh, I, they don't have the confidence with the trigger finger. So, I mean, it, is it just let it fly until they start going in or, or because you're, you're right. I mean, from there, they're going from the corner, they're driving into a crowd and hoping for something to happen, but uh, I don't know what, what they're looking to happen. And Tom, I, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot with, in terms of st- our statistics, yes. but I'm also going to guess that, you know, our top three um, usage players are RJ Barrett, Alfred Payton and Julius Randall none of whom are, you know, shooters, although Julius Randle's been shooting it pretty well to start the season. And I think that's that's another one of the reasons that we're not taking a ton of threes. It's because those guys are our main usage guys. And that's definitely true. And I think, you know, RJ has just been so streaky. He'll have these games where he's like four or five from three against Indiana, and then against everyone else he's not. But I don't know. It, it, it's it's tricky. He has Barrett has to be willing to take the threes, I think. It's, but it's, it's tough because – even if he does have a game where he starts making some threes, I don't know that defenses are really going to react in game to that, right? They're not going to make that adjustment, I don't think, and start defending him. I I don't know that there's much R.J. Barrett can do early this season to like get defenses to respect his shot. And so, you know, if he's if he's getting reps to take open three pointers in game action, like I think he's just got to let it fly. Like, um, and and if it's really starting to hurt the offense. Say he takes if he's like oh a five from three, then you got to figure something else out. But man, the Knicks need him to be able to shoot, even just like even just to hit one out of every three or four. Like that would be huge, um, just to keep defenses honest. And I don't know, just I I know what's going on right now is is not working. And like Alfred Payton, he's not he's not a shooter, just straight up. Like every time he lets it go, I just have no confidence it's going to go in. Um, but I think that some of the answer is going to be playing different personnel. Like you said, Kenny, when guys start coming back, getting those lineups with more shooting is going to be huge. And then if we can just get R.J. Barrett with some spacing on the floor, I think his whole game is going to open up completely. Because right now it's kind of a repeat of last year in terms of his like uh, efficiency around the basket. He's just he's running into brick walls, and he's, he's very strong. He's fairly crafty, but... He's like so left-hand dominant, and he's not using good judgment. He's get, he like feels this pressure to be this high usage player to get shots up. He knows he has a lot of offensive burden on his shoulders, and because of that, he's taking some really difficult twos. And it it just it, statistically it looks terrible, and with your eyes, it also looks terrible. So I think that we've kind of moved on from the last game. We're just talking about you know rotations and things. Yeah. So what what's the rotation that you kind of best see around him do you see him as the number one ball handler handler and maybe like manual quickly in there or burks and austin rivers and him playing three or what what what's the lineup that you want out there with him yeah i think it would definitely be like a lead ball handler by committee situation where it would be austin rivers probably defending opposing point guards so you've got it'd probably be rivers burks when he's back at the two barrett at the three and then I think you'd have to go Randall and Mitch. Yes, that's that's tricky from a spacing pers- uh, perspective, but um, I just I, I still do think that like in terms of two way play, that's probably the best lineup. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think that you like Rivers, uh, Burks, Barrett, Randall, and Mitch is like the best five man unit we could put out there? I mean, I agree that that's the case. I think it's not the best five man unit. For R.J. Barrett, I think having both Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson on the floor is not the best for the development of of uh, R.J. Barrett. 
I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think maybe maybe you put in Bullock in a smaller lineup and have uh, Mitchell Robinson in there. Maybe Mitch. that's the the best, and you have so you have three shooters, and then a pick and roll situation with RJ and Mitch. And so so Barrett around. Barrett would be defending opposing power forwards then. Yeah, yeah. Barrett or Bullock, depending on the situation, depending on who the opposing power forward is, I guess. Um, yeah, you can make the argument for getting quickly in there, though he's now had kind of two stinkers in a row. So the argument for him to get more minutes again, let him figure it out. Yeah, I, th- I think you nailed it, Ken. It's, uh, man, I mean, the past two nights, or the past two games, excuse me. Yeah, I, I mean, it just sticks out. And, and uh, Tom, I liked what you said about Barrett there. I mean, why, you know, Alfred Payton, at this point in his career, he's he's taken enough shots that, you know, uh, the threes just aren't going to come in bunches. He knows that. Um, RJ, you'd like to see him if he's still open you know, just let's pull the trigger. Let's see what we're working with here. You know, especially an unguarded corner three, like let it rip. Um, so interested to see how that, that develops with him. Um, God, and, and you're right. I mean, when, when we talk lineups like there, if you, if you say the moment you say RJ uh, and Randall, you're either, if you have Randall at the five, you're putting yourself, I mean, his defense at the five is, it's not defense. I mean, you can't even label it that way. Uh, the the game that Noel He's was trying out, this year. <laughs> he is trying, but I, I mean, uh, you know, there was times when Gobert got it and it was just like, it's a mismatch. It's a seven, two guy versus a six, nine guy, like been nice. there. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a matchup situation because like Gobert is a unique situation true. in the league and, you know, Randall has been showing some some defensive ability against you know a smaller center if if someone's going small ball, but it's I true. agree that generally he's not going to be able to guard a bigger guy. I've got a fun fact. You guys like those? Very much. They're fun. The leading the leading scorer on the Knicks for every game this year has been left-handed by trade. It's been Barrett uh, for three games and Randall the rest of them. Really? Or How about that? Sneak one in one of those first games? No. It's all Barrett and Randall. I, you know, it's funny it, perspectives, guys. Um, the ESPN schedule when you click it, it says the high points, high rebounds, mm. high assists. Uh, the high rebounds every game except one has Julius been Julius Randall. Um, uh, Mitch Mitch Rob against the Sixers, second game of the season. So, um, that almost makes me realize raise an eyebrow against Mitra, but dude, I Julius Randall. And again, it starts turning into this weird cycle because how could, how good can your team be? If you run everything through Julius Randall, he's currently fifth in the NBA in rebounds per game, 12 rebounds per game. I, I don't know if this is updated or coming into tonight. He was ninth in assists, 7.3 assists per game. Uh, and Hey, 22.6 per night. That was 24th as this is listed, but um, I, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's a weird mix, man. It, it's the classic, it, it's the NBA line that we, we say over and over when, when it's working for Julius, it's been a lot of fun this year when it hasn't. Yee. Yeah. Playing that similar game, just to finish out the three main stats, the assist, uh, the leading assister each game has been Randall all but two times. It was RJ once and Peyton once. So yeah. more fun facts. Dribble it out, boys. Julius playing some ball. Do we like Julius? That's the tough question, and it was tougher two games ago before the lo- they lost the last two. Because like, I have really enjoyed what he's done this season, but at the same time, I don't know where it gets us as a team. Like, it doesn't make us a contender if he's the best player on the team. But he's been playing some really good basketball, so I don't know where that leaves us. It's a, yeah, it's a weird spot because you know we we still aren't like actually good. We like faked it for a couple <laughs> games, so like yeah, it's not. I don't want to be the the like lottery odds guy, but it's like he is helping us win games. It's like what's the point? Not the lottery stuff and. 
but also like does, but now is he playing well enough that other teams will want to trade for him and give us something? And if it still feels early to really have those conversations, but that is where my mind goes. So I don't know. It's, it's weird. And he's been compared to last year. It's night and day is way better. And I like it, but he said he, he makes me feel so many feelings. I don't Mm. know. BBD, that's that's what I've been thinking without wanting to say it. Um, when they were winning games, is like, is this just him doing well enough that we can trade him, or is this him doing well enough that you know we're thinking of keeping him for the yeah, foreseeable pick future? Pick up that third year. Yeah, and I'm just know. I'm just living in the moment here. You know, like for for this year, I think Randall. He's he's necessary. Like he's the guy on the offense who creates advantages. He draws double teams. He he, he makes opportunities for the other guys on on the team for the young guys. Mm. Like it does. He he does help with development more than this I would have year. ever guessed after watching last year. I would I would have thought coming into this year that like Julius Randle would get his to the detriment of the young guys and that it would hurt development. And this year I haven't found that to be the case at all. I think that, I mean, he, like I said, he is the one guy who can break down defenses, who can draw attention, can like get defenses to collapse on him. And then it allows him to kick it out and other guys to kind of like play against a scrambling defense and to show what they can do in those advantage situations. And he is there, kicking I, it out and he is doing exactly. things. It's like, yeah. And I don't know if there's really anyone else on this team who can do that? Like Barrett at his best is capable of doing that. Alfred Payton, certainly not consistently, even though some games he has found like he's been able to do it. Um, and that's kind of it. Like it's just not a, a team full of, of guys who are going to create advantage situations for themselves and others. So we need Randall. The young guys need Randall. I'm surprised to hear myself say it, but it's true. So, um, you know, if, if the Knicks trade him, it would certainly be I'd be curious what the return is, but it's just like hard to foresee it being I, I don't know what team's like looking for him. It, I, I'm like not even going the trade route at this point. Um I'm just kind of curious to see how the young guys continue to develop um as the season progresses. But um I, I, I've got one stat for you guys just because we were talking about yeah. RJ Barrett. It's just that it's that twenty three players have taken at least fifty shots in the restricted area. 23 players have done it. And then Barrett ranks 21st among those 23 in field goal percentage. I will tell you who the bottom two are, though, and they may surprise you. The second to last is Malcolm Brogdon, and the worst is Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell not shooting well around the rim. But uh, R.J. Good Barrett. company. Yeah, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, the, both those guys, Brogdon They're and group. Donovan Mitchell, really good at getting to the rim. They They both take a lot of shots there, but... I mean, R.J. Barrett, just from a pure, like, raw numbers, the dude gets to the rim fifth most in the whole league. Like, he has taken the fifth most shots in the restricted area. Only The only guys to take more than him in the restricted area, Zion Williamson, Andre Drummond, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and DeMontis Sabonis. Like, it's all bigs, and then R.J. Barrett just barreling his way into the rim, which, I mean, look, he's, he's hitting 52% of his shots in the restricted area. That's not a high percentage, but like the fact that he takes so many of his shots from there and he's still making 52% of those, like 52% in general is a good percentage from the field. If you're taking nearly all your shots from there, that's still good. You again, you still want to see that number it's go in, up. It's in itself like fine, but I mean compare it to what Barrett's shooting from floater range. He's shooting 26% from floater range. He's shooting 36% from mid-range. You know those shots are only worth two points as well. So like the fact that he gets to to the uh, to the ten so well is is really encouraging. And yeah, hopefully we see these numbers tick up a little bit uh, in terms of his accuracy around the rim. Guys, I'm kind of over the floaters. Like I know it was cool <laughs> when when IQ IQ was hitting some of them, and it was like this is fun. It's Peyton's only shot is like a floater, and then Barrett throws some up. I I don't. I don't like him. RJ, I don't like, like him. Just, just, I can't like remember a floater he's hit. <laughs> like quickly, he like the, his thing is supposed to be floaters, if I'm not mistaken. I think he yeah. 
They say he was like the Quick. best floater maker in, in college last year, maybe the last two years. They used to say the so same So you can still me. take him. But, uh, yeah, RJ don't need to see him anymore, and I basically don't need to see Peyton take any more shots ever. He has to take them when they're open. But I'm looking and at the that... floater numbers right now, and, and quickly on the season is two of eight from floater range, just 25%. I would guess the um, two were in the same game also. And they're probably really exciting. <laughs> RJ Barrett is 18% from floater range. Did I say mm. that? Oh, my God. That I thought is... you said 20-something percent from I lied. What's the, uh... huh. I lied to you. I don't know why I would have done that. But I'm, yeah, what are, I'm, what are the I'm wrong glad my eye test RJ worked from, from floater range. I'm sorry? What's like the raw numbers on RJ from floater range that gets us to that 18%? Four of 22. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, those how about Kevin Knox? Has Kevin Knox made a floater this season? I'm gonna he, guess no. Always coming He's, back to we we forget to talk about. Knox. I like this game. Kevin Knox has one of seven. We not said his name this whole time. Basically, <laughs> we we mentioned that he was one of the three bench players that went two for three from three in one of the games. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see Jake right now. <laughs> Uh, No, man, I don't know. Because at the same time, there were some really nice Knox moments this week. He get a couple big threes in the wins this week. Knox, we should, I want to say that Knox had two very good defensive plays um, this week. He had a block and a save that led to a transition basket for, I believe, Austin Rivers. And then um, he had another save that I think led to a a quarter-ending three. I don't. I don't remember the exact thing. If Greg was here, he'd remember them because he remembers those things. But two very nice defensive plays from Knox this week. Week. Good job, Kevin. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's overall just been been solid. My like joke every week is he's been kind of nondescript, which is really nice to say about him after after most of last year. He entered tonight shooting forty percent from three. Uh, I think that dropped today because he went one for three, so that dropped at least a little. I was like, I don't know. He's played in general pretty good defense. He's had standout moments on both ends, I guess, of that spectrum. But but in general, <laughs> it's been fine. In the Austin Rivers game, he like ran through everybody on the team and like how they were contributing. Uh, and and he specifically mentioned Knox playing good defense. It's like yeah, so, I mean, not, Knox. I'm mostly happy with, but. Like we just don't talk about it. I'm I just want to say, say real quick. Yeah, say it, Jake. I've been his biggest defender. They need less Peyton minutes. With how much Randall's handling the ball, with how much Barrett's handling the ball, we we don't need him out there as a true point guard. I'd I'd rather have Knox available to shoot an open corner three than them just not guarding Alfred Payton. Uh, yeah, I'm with that. I mean, I I do want to just point out, Kenny. I didn't lie to you before. Uh, they actually updated the numbers from tonight's game. As wow. I refresh the page, so uh, Barrett's numbers went down, but so tonight uh, was brought him from twenty six to eighteen percent. That's right, in flo- from floater range. So I wasn't nice. crazy. Yeah, and, and I mean, and we talked about this a little bit at the end of last week, circling back on on Peyton, that which is where more minutes are gonna come for. We were we talked about it in reference to Obi top and eventually coming back, which it seems like he is not close to coming back, uh, which is scary. And we should probably discuss after this, but, uh, but eventually Burks, so I guess also isn't particularly close to a return. Eventually he's going to come back and need minutes. We want quickly to probably get more minutes than he gets. So cutting Peyton's minutes feels like the direction to go because Randall and RJ and, and quickly and Burks in the minutes they play, will all, be able to share like lead ball handler roles. Yeah, let's, let's cut Peyton's minutes a little bit. I don't need him thirty minutes a night. Deal, <laughs> which I think everyone agrees right. with because well, nobody I was, likes I was watching Peyton, him. But uh, I was a Peyton guy for a while. That's why I felt like I had to say it because I yeah. I wanted us to run semblance of an NBA offense, and I do think he helps do that. But it's it's like we've kind of made that step that now we can't just have him. We have guys besides him that can do it. They, it's a win when he takes his little floater in the paint. Yeah, and there's, there's games where his, him getting, to, he gets to the paint, he makes his buckets and stuff. But like, big picture, if he's out there with you know, 
Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. Like, there's not a lot of spacing for other people to do work. Like, they they just need more more shooters around to allow them to do you know what they're best at. Shoot, Beavers, you you mentioned it. Obi Toppin suppo- supposedly coming back this week. I feel like they were alluding to that uh, on the broadcast. No, they they had for a little while because it was after the initial injury is going to be reevaluated in seven to 10 days. So he figured like two weeks, which brings us to now, but I believe was it this morning or before last game, they said like, he's just not been cleared for like any contact yet. And like kind of hasn't done anything. I think I remember after that report, right? what I saw was after last game, I saw something said that said, you know, they talked to the coaching staff and they said he had to do work his way through the progression of first. He has to play one-on-one, then two-on-two, then three-on-three, then five-on-five. Yeah. Five. I and think he hasn't done the one-on-one yet. Yeah. He hasn't been he cleared, hasn't been to cleared to for contact. The one-on-one yet. Yeah. He right, hasn't that, been cleared to play for contact. Yeah. That's a Mark Berman reported uh, a few hours ago said not cleared for contact, just doing one-on-zero drills. Not that close is what he said. So, I don't know. Hard to put a Hope, number on not that close. <laughs> you know, Thanks, when you Mark. when it's a calf strain, you hope it's not something you have to take that cautiously. Like you don't rush him back. Hopefully, it's them being just overly cautious and not rushing back from the type of thing that's easy to re-injure. Um, I thought it. I thought it was pretty funny when they the Knicks just looked brutal tonight and they, they cut to Rebecca Harlow and she's like, you know, especially tonight, I bet the Knicks wish they had Obi Toppin out there. And I think every, every Knicks fan was like, eh. <laughs> oh no, for we, we did we, just, to, just to <laughs> keep us interested. Would have like, been nice to have him. Like, like just to, to see have him. a young guy out there who could potentially mm-hmm. do something, you know, like yes. it was just, it was not, it, it's hard because last year Knicks fans were really critical during the games when it was like Alfred Payton, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, like taking all the shots when it was just the veterans doing it. This year, I feel Ooh, like we should mention that, Taj Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> but go on. He's back. Well, yeah, he's back. Yeah, but just uh, real quick, like I feel like there's been more of an appetite for uh, these veterans to take so many shots this year, only because the Knicks have been winning. It's been kind of fun. Um, you know, they're five and five now. And after losing the last two games, it seems like Knicks fans are starting to lose their patience with the the, the veteran heavy offensive attack. And we do want to see more of the young guys handling the the offensive burden. It's just, you know, it, it you can't point to R.J. Barrett not getting the opportunities. The dude is leading the league in minutes. He's taking a ton of shots. Like, you can't be like, well, he just needs more of a chance. You'd, you'd argue he just needs more of complementary skill sets around him to enable his, his play. Um, but it's certainly not like a lack of shooting opportunities. So I don't know, man, I, I'm, we play again tomorrow. So we got the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow. There's not a whole lot of time to dwell on this, on this loss. And hopefully, you know, we can kind of put LaMelo ball in his place and, and, you know, have a, have a good game, maybe win one. That'd be nice. Yeah. Lamelo's nice. been balling. Yeah, youngest player to get a triple double in NBA history. Good for him. Uh, yeah, man, and I, you know, I, I, I was looking at the schedule, and I, I knew that the season this year was going to be a little more condensed. But man, I mean, you know, they've. It looks like they're pretty much running at a four game a week clip, which normally it would be a three, four. Sometimes there'd be a two in there. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, Hey, maybe Tibbs has a plan. You'd like to think so. Uh, so, you know, quickly who didn't play a ton tonight, maybe he gets a lot of run in Charlotte. Who knows? Um, Charlotte at Charlotte home versus Brooklyn. So that'll be fun on Wednesday at Cleveland at Boston. Um, uh, most importantly, what are you guys watching? Do we want to do predictions first? We're doing what we watch them. Oh, well, we're watching the Knicks, and we could predict them. <laughs> I've got a good we're... watching story, so I want to yeah, get it off. We, we could do we could do what we're watching here. Um, watching Rose and I, back when when I still had a wife and under my roof, <laughs> um, we started getting into a flight attendant. I think it's mm. called on HBO. Have you guys seen this? Have you heard about this? Heard about so, this with the uh, what's Kaylee her name Cuoco. from that show? Kay- Kaylee, Kaylee Cuoco. Cuoco. Cuoco, the Big Bang Theory actress. Uh, it is it is a fun show. Like it's it's not like super deep or anything. It's just like kind of a murder mystery sort of thriller, and there's some comedy in there too. It's 
it's just kind of the best of all worlds. It's a good show to, to put on. It's you're going to be entertained. It's I think eight or nine episodes. It's one of those mini series that that are so popular, so hot right now, and uh, it's just a good show. Forty five minutes to an hour each episode, and uh, mm. hey, no complaints here so far. Nice. Have to check that out. Have to check I that like out. That. I I um I mentioned it last week. I started watching Cobra Kai, uh, the third season, which. I said last season is probably the last season, but now three or four episodes in, I'm pretty sure it's not, and they're just going to keep going. Um, but a lot of throwbacks, a lot of uh, references to the earlier movies. So, we're, we're, am I, again, you know, it's a very good show. If you haven't seen it, I would check it out uh, because it's it's deeper than you would think for, you know, relating back to the original Karate Kid movies. Yeah, I've seen a few okay. people tweet about it, and like on the day it came out, some people tweet like, "Watch the whole season today! Can't wait for the next one." So I was so I so it sounds like there is another season. Seen it? I guess uh, it seems like there's gonna be another one. It sounds like it, and uh, I think the big question that everyone's wondering is, "How's Gilmore Girls going?" Good, another week, another season in the books. <laughs> basically um so almost to see almost through season four i lost basically a day of watching because i typically am able to just like ruin my saturday and watch that the whole day but football was on um so i'm on so i'm like i'm on episode 18 of season four right now so i've got a decent so amount to go there to get through what's the season. uh what's happening in uh so the show is, at this point this is rory's first season in college um, Ooh, she's in college now yeah so the, do you uh, know the well, show i don't want to spoil it? i don't want to spoil I've, the show from yeah the don't spoil the show i vaguely know the show um like i know it happened in connecticut i know i've seen episodes probably when they came out um because you know back in the day you had one tv and the family was watching whatever was on um and so I believe she went to Yale, which is in New Haven, which is where I live. Fun well, fact. Don't spoil it, BBD. Well, okay. I think it's been so 20 years. I know it's that fine. Jake is Jake is champing at the bit well, to but, tell us before, his story. You guys know it's it's champing right, and not chomping. Did you guys know that? Is that true? Champing at the um, bit? Have you heard this? I have never heard that I've, before. I'll take your word for it. The other show I've been watching is Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun. Similar to I Think You Should Leave, but full weird. Um, but actually, I've just seen the first like three episodes a bunch of times. I haven't watched the last three because I keep just showing people the show. But I, I actually haven't seen yeah, the last my little three. Yeah, my little brother Mikey said it was like I Think You Should Leave and, and told Greg he should watch it co-host of talking nicks and greg told us that so yeah um i'm i'm willing to give it a try full weird doesn't sound so bad so i kind of thought that i think you should leave us full weird i i thought that's what i was gonna say tom i thought that i think you should leave was weird you used to imagine until you see this (laughs) all right i was shown a couple clips and it's uh it's good it's it's a little over the top but it it plays um if you're not in the mood you're not I had to lead. show Jess one of the sketches because I had uh, it stuck in my head for a reason I'll, I'll allow the people to figure out. Um, uh, what I wanted to bring to the table was I, uh, <laughs> you guys know I've been watching The Good Place for the first time, which is, has been exciting and I've enjoyed. I mean, talk about easy watches. I mean, or is it yeah. not an easy watch? Is it really heavy? Um, no, I mean, you could you turn it on, you turn through the three episodes, the thing pops up, you say, let's move on. Um, so we, we've moved pretty good. They actually do do a lot of good cliffhangers that you're like, well, I kind of got to see the next episode. Oh, they're meeting the judge. Anyways, um, so we... Spoilers. Spoiler. Maya, she's great. Um, so we get she to the great. end. It's wrapping up and it's uh, the final episode. Of oh, the final you episode. finished it. Yeah, final episode, you oh. know, pretty sad. And uh, Jessica and I, I believe it was Friday night, uh, had a little bit of the devil's lettuce, which uh, has the effect of turning up your emotions a little bit. So, I mean, we were sobbing watching <laughs> I'm gonna, the Jake, finale. <laughs> I want to be honest uh, with you. I had a conversation with um, Greg and Mikey. Mikey is sure. Tom's younger brother. 
And that that finale messed me up for like three days. Like I was not right for three days after watching that. Good show though. Highly recommend it. I mean, the theme of the last episode is pretty much my everyday in life, but Mm. it's uh yeah. I mean, we we were just sob. We're petting the dog. We're sobbing. It was it was an (laughs) emotional scene. Yeah, that last episode is like it's sad. It's a real one. Oh, my wife just left me. I have to go watch that. <laughs> For a show that's that's largely lighthearted. Um, you need to like every person you interact with for the next three months, you need to say, My life my wife just left me. My wife recently left and, me. And then pause <laughs> and then be like, For a three month program. To finish But she'll be back in three months. Just to see all the people like, huh? Oh. Yeah. Oh. I gotta I gotta get like a tan line on my ring finger here and <laughs> go do do it full on. Yeah, you gotta go the uh, the doctor from Arrested Development. <laughs> Tobias Funke. <laughs> no, no, no. The no, actual the guy. hospital oh, the, doctor. Oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the all right guy. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he lost his left hand, so he's all right. <laughs> you were taking this much better than I would. <laughs> Uh. they freak out when he's out there again that was good um okay nice uh charlotte brooklyn cleveland boston three and one we're high on the Knicks. next episode bang that's it that's it (laughs) that's that's a pod prediction no one's giving individual ones that is our collective podcast prediction i think that's it we're all in on that yeah is that, is that what we're saying? Uh, I mean, I think we go undefeated. I, I, I think we certainly take care of business against Brooklyn on national TV. I don't know if it's... I think it's the only game we have on the schedule on national TV. Certainly for the remainder of this year. I don't think we played one already. So take care of business that night because then that's fun. And I don't even care what Hornets, the rest of the week. I do. Hornets, care. Knicks, Cavs, Celtics. That's four wins. That's four wins. I don't care what happened in the last two games. I can see that Hornets. Is four wins. I can see wins. Hornets. I think if we kind of do a mirror, like kind of do the exact thing we did this past week. I think we beat Hornets, beat Nets. And I think that we're going to lose to the Cavaliers and Celtics. And I'll tell you why. I, I think it's really hard to beat that Cavaliers team twice. They're just. Mm. There's a and, lot of variables there. Their their backcourt can get can go hot, can get hot, and and shoot you out of the game. So, uh, or shoot themselves into it. So, I I think that which, we will end which, splitting. Yeah. And what you have to remember with the Celtics game is their entire team is out. Their I watched entire a bunch of, team is not playing. I watched a bunch of no names from Denver, guys who I have no idea who they are. Really take it to the Knicks. So I don't know if I'm. <laughs> and we I don't think I'm going to rule anything to out. Other teams. But. Yeah, certainly some. <laughs> I mean, I I could watch Campazzo play all day. I mean, is I that knew he'd be Campazzo, Hartenstein. These are is guys it? I have never heard of before. Well, I, mean, I know these names guy. better than I know my own grandmothers. <laughs> when you get to tune into the final three minutes and see Vlatko Kankar do what he does on a basketball court, it's a pretty special feeling. <laughs> um, Imagine he'd be like the best athlete I've ever met, and I'm like half rude to him. <laughs> he's an incredible, he's a 6'8", 236-pound, 23-year-old who's in the NBA on a good team in the West. So who am I? Um, <laughs> before we lay Miz ourselves Miz. here. Uh, great stuff, boys. I, that was a lot of fun. I, I told you guys let's do a high and tight episode because we were sad, and we ended up we ended up doing some good stuff. So. Uh, go check us out at Talking Knicks. Uh, Tommy P, heavy in the Knicks game. He writes. He's doing a video. Oh, I'm Tom. That was Tom. Uh, Kenny with the full <laughs> facial hair. A lot of times behind the Talking Knicks account. And big baby David Mendelson, your sister's favorite follow on Twitter. Uh, thank you guys. We appreciate it. My facial hair, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we have the same facial hair going, BBD. And yeah. let's go, Nick's. Nick's tape. Nick's tape.